Hello, and welcome to the ATPE podcast, brought to you by the Association of Texas Professional Educators and covering the hottest topics on Texas educators' minds today. Hello, and welcome to the ATPE podcast. My name is David George, and I serve as the editor for ATPE News Magazine. With the 88th legislative session soon coming to a close, lawmakers at the Capitol are battling over the future of public education policy. And with a historic budget surplus at their disposal, educators are hoping that this will be the year the legislator will approve a substantial across-the-board pay raise. Uh, But time is running out. Today, we will discuss pending legislation as we reach the final stretch of the session and how you can still make your voice heard. We're joined today by ATPE Governmental Relations Director, Monty Exter, one of the state's preeminent lobbyists on education policy. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Monty. We're excited to have you. Yeah, thanks. With only two weeks left before the legislature uh, will adjourn, what deadlines do we need to be aware of and what bills are our ATPE lobbyists watching closely? Absolutely. So we do have some really important deadlines that are coming up, uh, some at the end of this week and then some more next week. So there are some procedural deadlines specifically in the House that really regulate uh, when they can hear bills up through towards the end of session. So for example, We already passed a deadline a couple of weeks ago that now the House can't hear any new House bills on the floor. So coming up this Saturday um, is the last day for a committee to report out a Senate bill. So any any Senate bill that's come over and has been heard in committee, if the committee doesn't vote it out uh, and then actually turn in the committee report by Saturday, that bill is effectively dead. Uh, Then the following Tuesday is the last day that they can hear those Senate bills on the House floor, which means they have to hit a calendar effectively as soon as they're reported out uh, to be able to be heard on the House floor. They have to be heard on the House floor in order to be able to pass. Uh, Then we have an additional deadline coming up just a little bit after that uh, on Sunday the 28th. That's actually the last day for conference committee reports to get approved. So a conference committee is when you've got a bill that's gone through both chambers, but the bill doesn't actually match up quite in both chambers in terms of the language in it, and that's pretty common. So they have five members of each chamber form a conference committee. They try to bang out a compromise for the language, and then it has to be approved by both chambers uh, by a vote. So again, Sunday the 28th is the last day that you can actually have a vote on approving those conference committee reports. And then my favorite day of session, uh, Monday the 29th, signy die. That is the last day of session, and then we are out. uh, Hopefully for a while, unless the governor decides to bring us back for a special. Several bills have attempted to address educator retention in one form or another, uh, such as Senate Bill 9 and House Bill 100, but the little compensation they offer is, of course, nowhere near enough. Monty, if the legislator isn't wanting to use the surplus money to give teachers the pay raise they deserve, what are they proposing in its place? So really, there are, I think, two things that are going on with regard to pay raises. Um, As you mentioned, Uh, There are a couple of bills out there that do have some pay language in them. Um, Senate Bill 9, at least as it is drafted by the Senate, has uh, a one-year, one-time, well, it'd be over the course of a year, but it's a one-year stipend. Uh, It's only funded for one year, in fact, which means that if if educators got that raise over the course of the year, then districts would actually be in a really hard spot the following year to be able to continue to fund that pay 
Um, so a lot of districts would actually have to then cut pay the next year. So that's obviously not a great situation. Uh, House Bill 100 has a couple of different measures in it. Uh, there are some pretty significant increases for folks who are on the minimum salary schedule, but that's not most of the folks in the state. It's only about 20% of the teachers in the state that would actually see any sort of raise underneath that particular uh, scheme. Um, the bill does also put some general funding in place that would trigger a provision from uh, when we passed House Bill 3 that would provide compensation increases, but very uh, minimal compensation increases. I think you would, on average, see maybe about a $1,000 increase uh, through that particular mechanism. So obviously none of that do we think is actually substantial or what we've asked for. Now in terms of what they are doing instead, um, in the way they're spending the money is primarily on tax relief. Uh, so there is about $17 billion uh, slated for property tax relief. Likely that's going to be through an expansion of homestead exemptions and a uh, stricter cap on the amount that appraisals can increase. Um, there is a decent amount more of the surplus that they're simply not utilizing right now. Part of that is because of some caps that we have on spending from session to session. Those caps can be busted, but they require a supermajority vote, which is pretty hard to get. Uh, the other real reason why the legislature isn't seemingly focusing on pay raises is because from an educational standpoint, they're really spending all their efforts, uh, primarily the Senate and the governor, on trying to pass a voucher. Uh, we have spent uh, the vast majority of session talking about that, um, fighting over vouchers, and uh, as most everybody knows, ATPE is obviously strongly opposed to vouchers. Uh, unlike a pay raise that helps put extra funding into the system, a voucher is going to defund the system. So that's obviously the opposite way that we want to go. But educators should know, you know, if you're frustrated that the legislature isn't spending more time on a pay raise, isn't spending more time on true solutions to the working conditions issues that you have out there, it's because they're spending all their time on this. Um, e even the folks that are with us, right, are having to spend all their time fighting this. So that's really where all the oxygen in the room has gone. Let's talk about Senate Bill 8 for a moment. ATPE and others in the education community have overwhelmingly opposed this legislation, uh, which we know would drain funding from our public schools through an education savings account voucher. Uh, so why doesn't the Texas House Public Education Committee want the public to testify? I mean, that's a really good question, uh, particularly as was pointed out by um, now living legend, uh, Representative Ernest Vales uh, on the House floor a, a few days ago, that uh, the chair of the Public Education Committee made a pretty big deal on budget night uh, when the House was and did pass an anti-voucher uh, amendment into the Texas budget. Um, they tried to table that amendment on the grounds that we were going to have public hearings, which the House had about a week later, uh, on a slate of voucher bills that were House bills. Um, all of those bills had a hearing. There was a lot of testimony uh, and a lot of ATPE members and your fellow educator colleagues who used the comment system to write in. Um, testimony was about 15 to 1 in opposition to vouchers, particularly in those comments, which there were thousands of. 
and none of those bills ever ended up leaving committee. Now, uh, about, I guess, a week and a half ago, the Public Education Committee started to make noise about taking up Senate Bill 8, which was the Senate's primary voucher vehicle. Um, has a pretty big voucher in it in addition to some other things. <clears throat> and they brought it over. Uh, they amended it uh, pretty significantly, but definitely still left a voucher in it. And then they actually tried to pass it with no committee hearing at all. Um, they tried to call what is known as a formal meeting, um, which means that that's either going to happen on the House floor or it's going to happen in a side room somewhere that doesn't have video. Uh, and only the committee is going to know about it until just a few minutes ahead of time. Uh, and they're going to go in and they're literally just going to bring a bill up and vote on it. And that's it. No testimony of any kind. So the aforementioned uh, Ernest Bales, uh, representative out of East Texas, got up. Um, made some comments on the floor about what a big deal was made about public input and transparency into this process. And in what I don't know that I've seen in the last 15 years, objected to the request because you have to make a request of the House uh, to be able to have one of those formal hearings, particularly while the House is in session, um, because they do have to be noticed and objected um, to the approval of the request, and then ultimately against a chairman won the vote in the House um, and denied the ability of the committee to actually have that formal meeting. So later that evening, uh, they put in notice for an actual public hearing, uh, which happened this last Monday. Uh, but in the notice for the public hearing, they had invited testimony only. Um, and in fact, it was really our understanding that had several members of the committee not strenuously objected that the testimony probably would have been not only uh, invited only, but one-sided only. Um, thankfully, uh, our friends in the legislature did stand up for us and strenuously object, and so at least we had somewhat balanced testimony. But we still didn't have the ability of, you know, just the public to come in and testify. Now, we didn't take that lying down. Um, we've been doing a lot of communications efforts over the last week, including putting out uh, some things through Advocacy Central to allow folks to effectively come in and give some written testimony. We also drafted written testimony ourselves um, as an organization. We put our members' testimony with our testimony. We turned that into every member of the Public Education Committee. And then the following day, we actually turned in a printed copy to every single member of the Texas House. Um, so we're not going to let them shut the voice of Texas educators down, uh, even if they try. The supporters of Senate Bill 8 claim that it would eliminate standardized testing. But doesn't this bill give the appointed commissioner of education unprecedented authority to create an entirely new standardized testing system? Absolutely. So the addition of the testing language to SB 8, um, is sort of an interesting bit of drama. So nowhere in the original bill was there anything about testing, um, which in and of itself under the House rules is a bit problematic. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure that the bill actually isn't subject to what's known as a point of order uh, because of the fact that that language was added, which could itself kill the bill if it ever comes to the House floor. But the, I think, more interesting thing is that I think that um, folks who 
recognized, who want to pass vouchers, recognized that the block of no votes in the House um, wasn't moving. Um, we've had a couple of votes. Uh, the Herrera Amendment was the most sort of solid on-point vote. But a couple of weeks ago, we had another vote on a bill that, frankly, wasn't actually a voucher. Um, but a, a big voucher proponent stood up at the back mic and said it was. Um, and based largely on that conversation at the back mic, um, that bill ended up going down on the House floor when it was expected to pass, and by a larger margin than what we won the Herrero vote by. And so it was becoming very clear that there was no way that just a straight-up voucher bill was going to pass the House floor. So really, um, the addition of the testing language was intended to be sort of a spoonful of sugar um, as communications director uh, <clears throat> Kate has been calling it here at ATPE to try to get down the medicine of a voucher. The thing is, is the sugar that they are using is actually rancid um, because, in fact, uh, the language was primarily drafted by TEA Commissioner Mike Morath. I think that anybody who has any knowledge of TEA or Morath knows that he is not going to draft language that gets rid of standardized testing. Um, <clears throat> there are several parts of it. First of all, he does give himself um, considerably more authority than he has right now, at least from a statutory standpoint, strips some of the things that are currently given to the SBOE away from them and to him, um, and gives himself some unilateral authority that maybe he would have needed some legislative approval for in the past uh, in terms of what he could do to redesign the testing system. Um, it increases the number of tests in three through eight from one a year to three a year. Um, and you can have uh, some good conversation about whether or not through testing, um, so testing throughout the year instead of once at the end of the year, is a positive or negative. Um, but the bill was left so broad that we could literally end up with three full-size star tests um, in the year instead of just one. Or even if you think about it in terms of replacing benchmarks with this through testing and having about the same amount of testing, now you have a scenario where your benchmarks are subject to accountability where they didn't used to be. Um, there's just a lot that was unexplained about testing in this particular bill that's really, frankly, unacceptable. We also added an additional test um, at the high school level. We currently have five required tests. We would have had six required tests after this bill uh, should it pass. So there was a lot wrong um, with the testing portion of this bill. And even if some of the ideas were maybe okay, they're entirely unvetted. Um, you know, again, we had no public hearing. This was brought up last minute um, and is really being pushed out in a narrative that's false that is the narrative that we're somehow ending the STAR test. Um, both TAMSA, Texans Advocating for Meaningful Student Assessment, more affectionately known as Moms Against Drunk Testing, have come out against this. Um, Raise Your Hand Texas, whose uh, second biggest plank right behind being anti-voucher is being um, pro-more rational accountability, has looked at this and come out specifically against this. I think actually the TAMSA opposition is particularly significant because in their opposition, they didn't even take a position on the voucher portion of the bill because that's not a, an issue area that they weighed into. Um, they said that legislators should vote this bill down on the testing provisions alone, regardless of the voucher. Um, and so 
I, I think that it's become better known pretty quickly um, that in fact the testing issue is a ruse and it, it's not accurate to say that it eliminates standardized testing and potentially actually makes the, the situation worse. Battles over these proposed bills are really coming down to the wire this session. What resources do we as members and as an association have at our disposal to fight and win? Absolutely. So it really has been the engagement of educators in the field um, that has been winning the battle so far. Uh, you know, certainly we are down at the Capitol every day fighting for you as hard as we possibly can. Um, but we're only a couple of folks and we're not constituents of most legislators. In fact, most of us who are lobbyists for you happen to sit in districts that are uh, firmly ensconced in one position or the other um, and not really swing votes. So it's important and has been important that you guys engage and, and many of you, thousands of you in fact, have been engaging. Uh, primarily that's been through Advocacy Central. Um, that is the tool that ATPE uses uh, to help our members engage directly with the legislature. But you've also been making phone calls. Um, folks have been, anytime it's available, using the uh, House system to sign up and give those comments uh, online. And all of that is super positive. So we have several uh, campaigns open through Advocacy Central. We've got one specifically on SB8 that's open right now. We're probably going to update that here in the next day or two. Um, I believe that we still have a petition open, so that's the easiest engagement. That literally takes less than 30 seconds to go in, pre-populate your information, and you just say, hey, I'm against SB8. Um, but we are asking for folks to go in and, and really utilize that campaign to send messages and continue to send messages to your legislator to let them know that you are opposed to this. And not only, I think, at this point that you're opposed to this, but that you are opposed to them spending time on vouchers and not taking care of business in terms of funding classrooms and funding pay raises. Um, I think that it is a very real scenario that we get out of this session, hopefully without having passed a voucher, but also without having passed um, any significant teacher pay. Um, and with the amount of money that we have at our disposal, that is a travesty. And you should definitely utilize our system to let your elected official know that that is not what you sent them to Austin for. Is there anything else you'd like to share about the session? So, you know, our hope is that the session does actually wrap up <laughs> at the end of session. Um, we may have to come back for a special. Uh, we'll certainly keep ATPE members uh, in the loop if that's the case. If it's over the summer, then we hope that educators come to Austin. We hope you come to Austin anyway for Summit. But we also hope that you come if there's a special to make your voices heard. Uh, if they end up having it later in the fall, then we'll certainly engage folks then. Um, one of the other things, and this is really more post-session, part of the reason why we continue to have these battles is because um, of who all we have in office. And so we have to do a better job, I think, on the electoral side. Um, we have to get more engaged. We have to, I think, be more clear with our legislators. And this is not even about partisanship. Um, if, if we only had Democrats on our side in this battle, we would have lost it already. This is a bipartisan issue when it comes to opposing vouchers. But we need more, stronger folks 
um, in those seats to get this done. Um, and there's really two main ways that we do that. We have to be better about showing up to the polls and letting the folks that we elect know what we expect of them. And the other thing that we have to do, and one of the differences between us and some of the other major players out there is frankly the size of our pack. Um, you know, I know that that sounds uh, simple or maybe trite, but it's true. Um, you know, you don't even necessarily have to spend everything that's in a pack. Ask the realtors. Um, having a, a big pack behind your back um, gets folks to agree with what you have to say at a much larger level. Um, the nice thing about ATPE and the ATPE pack is that uh, we aren't talking about having to have only a few dozen people donate huge amounts of money. We have lots of members. Uh, and so if a lot of members donate a small amount of money, um, then that makes a huge difference. It is as important as speaking to your representative during session, giving to your pack um, during and outside of session. Um, that sends a huge message that you are to be taken seriously. And so that's certainly a big goal of mine um, coming into this position is to really work to increase our pack and our influence up at the Capitol on behalf of educators um, over this next interim. Well, Monty, thank you for joining us and for so eloquently explaining all this information to us today. As always, if you have any questions or feedback, uh, you can send those to com at atpe.org. That's C-O-M-M at atpe.org. And we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast as well as leave us a review. Thanks again for being here, and we'll see you next time on the ATPE Podcast. Thanks for listening to the ATPE Podcast. For more information about becoming part of Texas's largest community of educators, please visit atpe.org.